CSN International presents To Every Man an Answer, the live apologetics program that equips you to give a reason for the hope that lies within you. If you have a Bible question or a question on the Christian faith, you can call us at 1-888-827-5276. Again, that's 1-888-ASK-CSN. Let's get things started. Here's today's host, Mike Kessler. Hi, and welcome to Tuesday's edition of To Every Man and Answer. We get together this time each and every weekday afternoon, answering questions about the Bible from the Bible, look at current events through a biblical perspective. What we hear in church, is it even in the Bible at all? Well, if you've got a question you'd like to ask us, 8888-ASK-CSN. We've been reading your Bible, sharing your faith. Somebody's asked you a question or you have a question, this is a great time to call. And we set this time aside every weekday afternoon to do this very thing. Again, 8888-ASK-CSN. We have some open lines right now, so you're invited to uh, give us a call. Join me today, special guest, featured speaker from Calvary Chapel, Rapid City, South Dakota, Greg Blanc. Hi and welcome, Greg. Hello, Pastor Mike, and hello, Team Tima. Guess what today is, Mike? It's Election Day. It's election day. You know, the Bible says, blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord, the people God has chosen as his inheritance. You know, we, uh, we have to do our civic duty, right? We need to be, that's one way that we're the, the light of the world. Sure. And, uh, you know, people say, I don't know. I don't know. I just tell people, read Romans chapter one. That's the best, uh, guide there is, I think, out there is just Romans. Chapter 1, the New Testament, this is after the uh, Jesus had died on the cross, ascended to heaven, the church had begun, and we find uh, a, a special letter written to help people outside of the Jewish culture know what will bless God and what God will curse. Romans chapter 1, check it out. Got some great information there for you. I think you'll really enjoy that. So many things going on in the world. Boy, I'll tell you, there are consequences for the way we all vote, there are consequences for what we think, things we do. And so I really believe this is one of the things that God does. God gives us insight saying, hey, you do these certain things. Before it ever comes, if we do those things, there's going to be good consequences or bad consequences. And that's why we want to be about our daddy's business in these days. Well, let's go ahead and go to the phones. We have, uh, let's see, we have somebody on the line here. Daniel. Washington, I welcome. Hi, Daniel. How can we help? Hi there. Uh, there's a documentary that came out uh, called 1946, and it goes uh, after the Bible saying that the word uh, homosexual was added in there by mistake by the translators. And I uh, just wanted to get, you know, the actual facts about it. Well, it's totally a lie. I mean, that's there's no way around it. I mean, this is what the problem of Sodom and Gomorrah was. We remember the angels uh, came to warn Lot to get out, and the men of the city came to sexually know them, the Bible says in the book of Genesis. So, no, that is absolutely a lie. And, of course, you're always going to find people who want to twist the Scripture to fit their own belief and 
certainly it sounds like that's one. I haven't seen the movie. I don't know what movie it is, but very clearly it is talking about that very thing. And also first Corinthians chapter six, Jesus even made an interesting remark, probably the shortest sermon in the Bible, but has all kinds of connotations. He looked at the people and said, remember Lot's wife. It's interesting when you really stop to look at that whole scene there, how important it was. Jesus gave it great credibility by mentioning it. Greg, your thoughts? Yeah, it's, uh, is this supposed to be a Christian documentary? I saw that you were thinking that they're saying that maybe, uh, that it's acceptable, uh, within, uh, Christianity now. Is, is that the movie? Is that what you're talking about here? It's a it's a documentary called 1946, and it was like I guess it's a whole bunch of ex uh, pastors or people that have walked away from the Lord, and then they went to the archives <laughs> and started doing research on uh, the people that did the translation. They're like, look, we found this thing; it was by mistake. Yeah, well, the well, well, the key there, Daniel, is people that have walked away from the Lord, and the Word of God has no uh, absolute authority in their life anymore. It's you know, it's. When we're dealing with with crazy things that people believe and they want to believe emotionally in the culture, we want to be gracious, but we know what the Word of God says. Leviticus 18.22 says, you shall not lie with a male as with a woman. It is an abomination. And when God calls something an abomination, there's there's zero wiggle room on that. Deuteronomy 22.5 says, a woman shall not wear anything that pertains to a man, nor shall a man put on a woman's garment, a lot of transgender stuff going on out there today. And it goes on to say, for all who do so are an abomination to the Lord your God. That's that's not a mistranslation. And Pastor Mike, he, he, had, he had mentioned, I mean, Romans 1, if you're going to memorize a chapter in the Bible, memorize Romans 1, because it is so applicable to what uh, what the world is trying to push on the church these days, Pastor Mike had mentioned, uh, first Corinthians, uh, chapter six, verse nine. And this is hope for anyone who is, uh, caught up in a sin. And in verse nine, it says, do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor homosexuals, nor sodomites, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners, will inherit the kingdom of God. And and don't you have to love verse 11 that says, and such were, that's past tense, were some of you, but you were washed, but you were sanctified, but you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the spirit of our God. So there's hope for people that are caught in any sin, including the sin of homosexuality. Pastor Mike? Hope that helps. It does great. Thank you guys very much. Yeah, Daniel, I, I like I say, uh, just read First Corinthians chapter six, Romans chapter one, or a couple of very quick ones that you can just look at. Uh, there's no wiggle room. There's no uh, misinterpretation there. There's no choosing the wrong word. It's just people who are demented trying to change the Bible to suit their own belief. Hope that helps. Stay in line. Send you out some books, some DVDs. I think you'll enjoy. With that, we'll go to Carol in Crum, Texas, I believe it is. Hi, welcome. Hi. Thanks for taking my call again. You answered part of the question yesterday. I was the last caller from yesterday. Yes, I remember. Thanks for calling back. Yeah, and you answered the question as far as uh, the rest 
would uh, would not live again until after the thousand years are finished, and this is the first resurrection. That's what I didn't understand. When is the second resurrection? After the millennium? Correct. Okay, go ahead, Greg. Well, um, yes, yes, at the uh, at the end of the millennium, I think you were talking about uh, verse 5 in Revelation chapter 20, but the rest of the dead did not live again until the thousand years were finished. And, and, uh, I know that, I know that we had to kind of give you a rushed, a rushed answer because the, uh, yeah, we were uh, out of time. We were running out of the, out of time. And you know, the, the dead, we just have to remember the dead is a reference to the, to the unrighteous dead who will, who will see and, you know, it comes up a little bit further on in, uh, in that chapter, in chapter 20, that, uh, they will be sentenced to the great white throne judgment at the end of the millennium, at the end of the thousand years. And then, um, in, in, uh, uh verse five, it says, uh, this is the first resurrection. Blessed, blessed and holy is he who is part of the first resurrection over such the second death or the second resurrection has uh, has no power but they shall be priests of god and of christ and shall reign with him for a thousand years so today is the day of salvation you want to be right with the lord now yeah and you got to remember during the millennial reign of christ when someone dies again um uh, as an example a believer and there will be believers during the millennial reign of christ who truly believe in Jesus Christ as their Savior. But let's say they die during the millennial reign. Now, the lifespan during that thousand-year reign will be almost a thousand years again because God has restored the earth and man's longevity. But you got to remember, a person that's a Christian, as an example, that dies, doesn't die and then pop right back out of the ground and they're ruling and reigning of Christ. That's not what it says. I believe that this is where and probably the only place they don't live again until the great white throne judgment. The books are open, and those that are found in the book of life are resurrected to eternal life from that thousand-year reign of Christ. Anybody else that's died in faith, the Bible says, is ruling and reigning with him. It's only the millennial saints are in a different category. They have to be, because a person doesn't die, go in the ground, then pop right back out. That doesn't logically make any sense. You don't find it in the Scripture. But we do know they don't live again until the great white throne judgment. And probably for those as well, as well, absolutely for those well who die outside of faith. Now, at the great white throne judgment, this is where the books are opened, the sea gave up the dead that was in it. That's not talking about people that perished in a, in a, in a boating accident or a submarine. That's talking about those who died during the flood. Everybody's going to stand before God and give an account of their life. Full fruition. Everything through the immense of time. <clears throat> Think about a person that started a cult. Maybe there was 25, 30 people. Now there's millions. And I believe that there are going to be people that are going to try to resurrect these cults, probably this bad ideas, maybe even the possibility of evolution during the tribulation period to reject Jesus Christ. The Bible says if they will not come and pay homage to Christ, no rain will fall in their land during that thousand-year reign of Christ. Now, so we find here interesting picture that you find a world being governed by God, those that have died in faith up to the millennial reign of Christ are ruling and reigning with him 
even the tribulation saints, but those during the millennial reign who die, the books are opened and everyone will be judged. The Christians that died during the millennial reign and all those who died outside of faith going clear back to the beginning of time will stand before God and the great white throne judgment. So that is, I hope that gives you the clarity you need, Carol. Yes, absolutely. Thank you so much. God bless you. Stay online. Send you out a couple of books, a couple of DVDs I think you'll really enjoy. Let's go to Scott, California. Hi, welcome. Hi, Scott. Looking for Scott. Are you there? Yeah, good afternoon, Pastors. Hi, how may we can you hear me now? Um, yes, we yeah, can. I had, we... had a quick question. I've been going through Revelation, and uh, uh, it's kind of like hit my heart hard um, as I'm reading through like the churches and the actions of the churches. But as you kind of read through, obviously, the full context and staying. Uh, there's really nothing to worry about, you know, when you're in Christ. But um, just wanted to get some more insight about the lukewarm church, because when I was reading through it, it kind of hit me um, pretty hard uh, when when I was reading it, because it starts off by saying, you know, neither you're, you're hot nor cold, um, that, you know, he's going to vomit us out of his mouth. But uh, I guess my question is, you know, how can we be, like, so hot? Yeah, you know, I, obviously we don't want to be really part of the lukewarm church, but, you know, we were born into this, uh, into this shell, this sin nature, this ugliness of, uh, of, uh, you know, the body that we have here, uh, this flesh. Um, but, you know, with, uh, day by day, uh, being in the spirit, moving in the spirit, we still, you know, get attacked and, and brought down. But as you read through, it talks about the repentance and, and I look into that, but it just kind of hit me hard because, I was like, man, I feel like, you know, I'm I'm lukewarm and potentially like all of us as believers have a tendency to become lukewarm or be lukewarm because uh, we're not, you know, we're not perfect in this flesh. So I just kind of wanted to get some insight on that, some clarity, I guess you could say, uh, on the lukewarm church. Well, you're right, Scott. It is a real issue in our lives uh, and what um, what we feed. You feed the flesh, you're going to reap the flesh. You feed the spirit, you're going to reap the spirit. It's just the way it works. The great problem that I, that I see in, in a lot of, a lot of theology today and really church dogma, not, not the Bible. I don't have a problem with the Bible. I have a problem with church dogma is once you're saved, do whatever you want. There's really no such thing as a lukewarm question because baby, you're going to heaven anyway. Very clearly, Jesus said, you're neither hot nor cold. He's implying that they in some way believe in him. He's addressing the church. Yet, uh, it doesn't say, well, they're just going to lose their rewards. I've heard that one. That is not in the scripture. Um, uh, the Bible says things were done with the wrong motive. Uh, the wood, the hate is stubble. That will be burnt up. But the things that are done with the right heart, God will reward. Now, to say simply that you're neither hot nor cold, I'm going to spew you out of my mouth and you're not going to get any rewards. That doesn't, the Bible does not say that. Oh, but you don't understand, Mike. There's this really great, well-known American pastor and he says all that. I don't care who says it. I don't care what church is saying it. It's not in the Bible. We have to look at something very important. 
What is the book of Jude about? Because if it doesn't address this topic, I have no idea what it's about. I've been saved for over 50 years. I have no idea what it's talking about. Where the Bible says God saved an entire group of people and let them die in the wilderness because they refused to believe. Jesus mentioned a fellow like this in Matthew chapter 24. My Lord delays his coming. He eats and drinks with a drunken. As a violent drunk, the Bible says. He gets his portion with the hypocrites where they'll be weeping and gnashing their teeth. The same description, by the way, of hell. It does not say he loses his reward. This is made up by church dogma. Uh, I think it's pretty clear. Jesus said, watch and be ready. You don't know what hour your Lord's going to come. If it doesn't make any difference, then Jesus is just shucking and jiving us, saying, hey, watch and be ready, but it really don't matter. No, he didn't say that, does he? So when you look at all the Scripture, we have a balance. We are secure in Christ. I love that. We grow in the Lord. Yes, I grow some days. I fall on my nose other days. But you keep up, get up, keep on going. But the problem is, is to say, well, uh, it's okay to be lukewarm. You know, you, you know, I, I have a real problem with that. Jesus said, you're going to get spewed out. And the word there, spew, is literally vomited. Now, that is not speaking about losing your rewards. He didn't write that in Revelation to a brothel or, or a bar or, or uh, you know, something. He wrote it to the church. I think it's pretty important. So either we want to take all of God's Word, otherwise we have an anemic gospel. And the anemia comes from choosing which verses I'm going to put on my plate and choosing which verses I'm going to omit, like a Christian smorgasbord. But that's not the gospel. Your thoughts, Greg? Scott, you are asking a great question. And and uh, I'm excited for you because I think we all should be asking that question. We should be asking the Lord all the time, you know, am I, am I getting lukewarm in this particular area of, uh, of my life? So um, good for you, brother. Just shows that the Holy Spirit is alive and well and, and uh, drawing you closer Two in the passage of scripture that you're talking about, of course, uh, uh, in the book of Revelation in chapters two and three, there are seven letters that are written to seven specific churches. And in chapter three, what you're talking about is the church that Jesus himself, this, uh, this report card to the church at Laodicea, and he sees that they're lukewarm and he says, I would rather have you be hot or cold. So what what the insinuation is there is that is that they're not willing to choose a side. And sometimes you see Christians today and they're just not willing to side or they'll be silent on the issues that Jesus is not silent on and God's word is not silent all and that we are supposed to be the light of the world on. We we need to uh we need to speak up. So a couple of ways just to make sure that we were not falling in to that lukewarm category is that uh, I've shared this before. I'm, I remember here in Raw Reese at a pastor's conference, maybe 20 years longer than that, probably maybe 25 <laughs> years ago. And he says, uh, cause the, the topic came up about, uh, about our eternal security and, 
and he said he says i i don't i don't worry if i'm saved i'm i'm abiding in the vine so that's the goal be abiding in the vine that doesn't mean that you're not going to have a bad day or bad two days or maybe a week where you're struggling with a with an issue in your life but but we need to abide in the vine it's the only way that we're going to grow and jesus promises us in John 15, that if we abide in the vine, that we are not just going to bear some fruit. His desire is that we would bear, that we would bear much fruit. And if you look around the body of Christ today, I see lots of men and women that are bearing much fruit. But on the other hand, there's a lot that are just kind of sitting in the pew and thinking that they're okay with the Lord and they're not, they're not making a stand and they're not, uh, 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 in the word and they're not in prayer and they're not in fellowship and all those things that, that, uh, that the true believer should be. Jesus said this, Scott. He said this in Matthew chapter 12, verse 30. He said, either you're with me or you're against me. Kind of the same thing that he's saying there in uh, chapter three of, uh, of the book of Revelation. Choose a side. So anybody out there? who is maybe wavering a little bit for, you know, back and forth, choose you this day who you will serve. Amen. Pastor Mike? Yeah, faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word word of God. God. Thy word I have hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. So I really believe that it's God's word that makes the difference in our lives. And it is not within man to live righteously. So we know then we need something outside of ourselves to help us live the way we're supposed to. Now, this is why Jesus said we live by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. That will come back. It becomes part of you. And it will remind you of what God's best is for you. Wouldn't it be neat? If you would know the outcome of an event before the event happened. Well, it's interesting. Uh, one third of the Bible is prophecy. Well, that's what God does. God will tell us if you live in certain lifestyles, you're going to be blessed. If you live in other certain lifestyles, though you don't feel the pain right now, you will later on. And so by putting God's word in our heart gives us that supernatural 2020 vision into the future to keep us from making those bad mistakes because we know the outcome is always true to God's word. So being about your father's business, studying God's word, and what I mean by that is just fellowship with God, prayer, because that aligns our will with God. And as Jesus said, thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Hope that helps. Yeah, that uh, that definitely gives a a little more clearer um, perspective of it. Because <clears throat> you know, I've always been one to read, you know, the before and the afters, you know, for the whole thing and the context. And you know, when I started reading it, it it's like I just stopped right there because it, it kind of in my heart I felt like, man, you know, if I could. If I could just be a hundred percent every day, which you know, unfortunately, it's 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 really hard. And none like, of us are. <laughs> so, you know, that's that's where I was kind of like, in, in all reality, you know, if we were look at it from like the religious out aspect, it's none of us are are 
you're going to make it, we're all considered the lukewarm church, you know, or in that outlook. But then when you read on, you know, it's, it continues to say, um, you know, to be, uh, to repent, you know, to be quick to repent. And, and basically it's like, I have that, we have that connection through our father, through Lord Jesus Christ, because, you know, when we feel like, oh man, we blew it or we're not running the right direction. That's when we turn back to him. Uh, and, and we have that, that freedom there, but it just kind of hit me because I'm like, man, I don't want to be lukewarm, but it's like, that's kind of how I feel. Like sometimes life. Well, can, that, and you know really, what? You know. I believe that's the Holy spirit, Scott, beckoning you into a deeper relationship with him. Mm-hmm. You know, I believe that we build upon our faith. Uh, the things we go through, the, the times where we say, well, God, if you love me, why did you allow this to happen to me? God's saying it's time to grow a little bit here because I'm going to show you my greatness beyond what you understand. And that's why we despair sometime in our relationship with God because God says it's time to grow. And we don't like that. You know, uh, I don't know how many people remember back when you were, you know, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, but you had growing pains. And every once in a while your leg or your arm would start hurting. It's because your bones are growing. Things are stretching. Uh, I, I think a lot of times those growing pains aren't always comfortable, but in the end it produces a mature adult. We have to remember that God, uh, the old saying goes, God loves me just the way I am, but he loves me too much to leave me that way. And so God stretches us. And how does he stretch us? By things that we don't understand where it causes us to trust him and just in faith say, okay, God, your word says, if I make this bad decision down the road, this is what's going to happen. If I make this decision, God, this is what you're going to bless. And we step out in faith and make those decisions. But I think growing is part of a, you know, I think if we fall down today, it shows us I need more faith than I had yesterday. I need to grow. It isn't. But if we stay down, uh, if we if we stay in the pigsty, if you will, then I think that's when we're really in trouble. It's when we come to our senses and go, wow, don't want to do that again. Get up and go with God. Hope that helps. Amen. Thank you so much for the help. Scott, stay in line. I got a little book called Time to Grow. I'll send that to you. I think it'll be a real encouragement as well as a couple of DVDs. And with that, we'll go to David. Arizona. God bless you, Scott. Thanks for calling back from yesterday. Let's go to David. Hey, guys. Uh, hi. Me and, hi. Uh, me and hey, David, David, one second real quick. We're coming up on a break. We don't want you or anybody else to go away. When we come back, we're going to talk more about these questions that we all have. And so um, we'll be back right after these important messages. Can you imagine getting your college degree and graduating debt-free? Sound crazy? Here's great news. Calvary Chapel University is offering a 25% tuition scholarship on your entire degree program. And with this unique scholarship, you have a realistic way to graduate debt-free. Calvary Chapel University is one of the most affordable Christian universities in the United States. And it's fully accredited and 100% online. So you can study whenever and wherever you want. 
Calvary Chapel University offers bachelor's degrees and master's in biblical studies with an emphasis in biblical counseling, Christian education, and more. And with solid teachers like Skip Heitzig and David Guzik involved, you can be sure you're getting sound doctrine. This scholarship offer is available for a limited time. Find out more at calvarychapeluniversity.edu. That's calvarychapeluniversity.edu. Apply today. CSN International welcomes you to actively participate in the continued growth of the radio network through donations. CSN is a 501c3 nonprofit organization, and as such, CSN is able to accept tax-deductible donations of cash, stocks, bonds, real or personal property, automobiles, and other worldly assets, including broadcasting stations and broadcasting equipment. You can make a big difference for the kingdom of God. If you'd like to make a tax-deductible donation, you can go online to csnradio.com to donate, or you can mail your donations to CSN International, Post Office Box 391, Twin Falls, Idaho, 83303. You can also donate by calling today with your financial support at 1-800-357-4226. This is CSN International. Voting Tuesday. I want to encourage you to go once again out and vote. And uh, here with uh, Scott, excuse me, Greg Blanc from Rapid City, South Dakota. I wish I was as smart as Scott Parker. That guy is incredible. We're we're on with David in Arizona. David, your question. Uh, Yeah. Hey, guys. Uh, Me and my wife live here in uh, Phoenix, Arizona. And uh, her older sister lives in uh, near Atlanta, Georgia. And, uh, she was living with a guy for years, and uh, he passed away a couple weeks ago. So everything's gone into probate, and, uh, like, they, they weren't married. He had kids from a previous marriage and just, just kind of left a mess, you know what I mean? And uh, uh, my wife's kind of asking me, like, well, she said they might come out here and need to stay with us, and uh, we're looking at buying a bigger house, and stuff like that, which is kind of putting pressure on us. So I guess my question is, you know, trying to do the right Christian thing is, uh, you know, what are my responsibilities and what are my wife's responsibilities as far as things of this nature? Is there anything that says in the, in the Bible about that? Well, Joshua said, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. So that means then that if they're under your roof, they need to abide by your uh, your convictions, um, your directive, and your Christian principles. Now, I would tell them that just say, "Hey, you know, if you're going to uh, move out here and you want to move in with us, um, we go to church every Sunday, or we go to church on Wednesday night, or whatever it is, and everybody goes." Well, I'm not going to do that. You see, here's the problem. People love the blessing of God in your life, but they don't love God. They like what God has done for you, 
but they don't want God to do it for them. And I believe this is a real problem when it comes to anyone, in-laws, outlaws, kids that have left, what, what do they call the baby boomers that all left and moved back in with their parents, baby boomerangers or something like that? Well, whatever it is, if they come under your roof, they abide by your Christian convictions. And I think this is the first thing you have to do. Now, number two, as far as rearranging your whole household for other people's lack of foresight, this is what I was talking about earlier in the program. You see, herein lies the problem. You shack up with somebody. Oh, it's fun and games. And yeah, we, you know, we, we got this love thing going on, baby. Well, here's the problem. When they die, now you've got probate. You've got all these problems because they didn't, they didn't obey what God says. Now you've got problems. So what do we do? Well, we go to the people who love God, who obeyed God, whose life is together, whose finances are together because we rebelled against God. You see, this is where the problems come in. So I think you have to, uh, I, I mean, I don't know that I would sell my house and buy a larger one to accommodate people that I don't know if it's going to follow the Lord or not. I certainly wouldn't do that. And if they come into your house, you, you see, they could be coming into your house and they could be getting drunk. They could be dealing drugs. You don't know. You don't live with them. Um you know, they sound nice on the phone, and I kind of remember the way they were five years ago when, when they were around me a lot, but you don't know what they're like now. Your thoughts, Craig? Yeah, I I always I always tell folks when they're asking for counsel, like, you always want a DTR. You always def- want to define the relationship. Um, on the positive, on the positive side there, uh, I think that, uh, David, what a great what a great witnessing opportunity, right? Yeah, so, it's a great on the, opportunity. On, on the yeah, on the on the positive side, on the on the not so positive side is if they, like Pastor Mike was alluding to, if they just end up taking uh, advantage of the situation, and uh, it's a lot more difficult to get people out of your house than to get them into your house. So, so DTR define the relationship. Um, don't don't feel awkward about uh just laying down i don't like to use the word rules but that's kind of what they're going to be they're rules no matter where you live yeah yeah the, there, there's going to be those rules so like like mike said no no you know depending on where you're at on this no alcohol in the house no weed in the house no no drugs you know in the house and and at least floated out there that uh you know you might want to do it on a trial basis um, maybe have them come out for a little while and let them know this is just a trial basis. We're going to give it a month and see how things go or two weeks or, or whatever you feel comfortable with. Don't let them, don't let them bring, you know, their, <laughs> their Beverly Hillbilly pack everything up and, and, uh, and move to your neck of the woods there in Arizona. But, uh, but just clarify that. And, and here's something else, uh, you know, in, in the Bible, in First Timothy, I was just looking this up, in chapter five, verse eight. I've I've heard some people guilt trip others with this. It, it says, "But if anyone does not provide for his own, and especially for those of his household, he has denied the faith that is worse than an unbeliever." Well, you know, um, that's 
that's not necessarily talking about your situation. At least you are open, David, to, uh, to at least on a temporary basis, showing some compassion and some mercy on these, uh, on these relatives of yours. But, uh, I would tell them that, that, uh, you know, we, we get together and we have devotions occasionally. We sure would like to in, include you in that. And, you know, we go to church on Sunday or we go to church on Sundays and Wednesdays and, and we and, want uh, you to as well. Yes. Yes. I, I, I don't think that there's anything wrong with floating that because that might, that might either be the, the deal maker or the deal breaker, the deal maker. Maybe they're realizing that maybe there needs to be some changes in their life. And maybe if they're, they're totally adamant against those things, it'll be a deal breaker for them. And, and maybe they'll, they'll go looking, uh, uh, for housing in a different location. So, so, uh, David, we'll be praying for you that God would give you wisdom and discernment, but don't, don't feel awkward about, uh, about DTR, define the relationship. Mike? Yeah, and when the Bible talks about not providing for your own, it's talking about your immediate family, your wife and your children. It's yeah. not talking about, you know, uh, your 19th cousin and different people <laughs> like that. And I think this is where a lot of the problems sometimes come in. Now, again, as I said earlier, there are people, Christian parents, and their kids left. They've been out tearing it up, partying down. They're broke, prodigal son. The father welcomed the son back, but he didn't, if you'll notice in the story, give him, he didn't give him the other half of the farm. That was to the son who stayed. So I really believe then we have to be careful in the way we exegete scripture, the way we look at all the verses pertaining to this. Yes, it's a wonderful opportunity for you to share Christ with her. But we have to remember that when you bring somebody into your home is different than going out on the street, ministering to people, or going to church on a Sunday morning, blessing somebody or helping somebody. This brings them right into your home. And so, again, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord, Joshua said. Hope that helps. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I learned a lot from you guys. Thank you very much. David, stay in line, send you out a couple of books, a couple of DVDs. I think you'll enjoy. And with that, we'll go to Felix. Lahui, Hawaii, aloha. Aloha, Brother Mike, Brother Greg. Aloha. Yeah, thank you for taking my call. How may we help? Anyway, my my question is, um, I've heard from a um, Christian broadcasting news regarding Bibles that's printed in China. That yes. I don't know if they are printing now or it's already printed. And I just replaced my uh, Word Out Bible and bought one from a Christian broadcasting um, store. And when I checked, because my first Bible is printed in the USA, and the one that I got right now is printed in China. So are those reliable Bibles that we can um, read on? Um, I just want uh, yes, yeah, so I, I believe they're reliable. I, 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 I think it's interesting that uh, they print the Bibles in China, yet the people of China are basically forbidden to have one. But there's a lot of things like that that they make in China that they're not allowed to have. They're, everything is made highly scrutinized. It's the beautiful socialistic, communistic state. Big Brother watching you and everything you do. And so uh, because of that, they're, they print them there, but
but they're not allowed to uh, just be uh, in everybody's hands. Your thoughts? Yeah, I was just looking up here. How many of our Bibles are actually made in made in China? And uh, uh, I just I just saw a number of twenty million Protestant and Catholic Bibles are printed annually uh, by America's largest Bible publishing companies, but fewer aware that most of them are printed in, in China. And then it said that, uh, some that don't print in China include, uh, InterVarsity and, uh, Cambridge University Press and, and, uh, some of those, uh, I would, uh, you know, um, for the ones that they are printing for American companies, I'm, I would presume that they, that, that they're fine. Uh, but you know that China is in process of printing their own Bible for their, uh, their own state approved Chinese churches, not most of the churches that are underground that are actually truly born again. Um, and, uh, and they are removing, you know, they are removing many, uh, uh, many of the, uh, uh, of the truths of, uh, of what we know as our Bible. So I think for the most part, it's a, it's a very good question that you're asking Felix. And uh, I think, yeah, you can trust most of them, but maybe go uh, InterVarsity Press and, and some of those as well. Make sure that they're, like you said, they're, they're printed, uh, either they're printed in the USA. Just, yeah, just make sure that they're printed in the USA. Hope that helps. Yeah. Thank you very much, Brother Mike, Brother Greg, and mahalo and God bless. Mahalo. <laughs> yes, stay on the line. We'll send you out some books, some DVDs, fillings, and I think you'll really enjoy them. And uh, with that, we'll go to Carol, Plymouth, Massachusetts. Hi, and welcome. Carol, are you there? I am. Can you hear me? Yes, we can. Hi, and welcome. Oh, hi. Thank you. Um, I heard this coming Sunday there are going to be world leaders, including the Pope, going to be meeting on Mount Sinai. Um, it's supposed to be some sort of climate uh, yeah, it's caucus. COP27. And, yeah. Yep. And one of the things is that they're going to be talking about uh, a new Sunday rule, a new Sunday law. And what I'm interested in finding out is, could this be the abomination of desolation where they stand in a holy place? No, honey, it's not. It's the abomination which makes desolate is a repeat, basically, of what Antithes Epiphanes did when he offered a pig on the altar there in Jerusalem before Jesus was born. What you're going to find is the abomination which makes desolate is where the Antichrist puts his name, himself, or uh, his picture there in the temple in Jerusalem, John measured it in Revelation chapter 11. And from that place, he declares to the world that he is God and must be worshipped as such. This is when Jesus said, don't even go back in to get your coat. Just run for the hills. I believe the Antichrist is fully equipped to bring swift retaliation upon the Jewish people because he knows he they're not going to accept him as as God. Now, I believe they will accept him as a friend, as a confidant, but they will not accept him as God. And when he declares that he is God and must be worshipped as God, and very possibly during the temple dedication, we don't know for sure, but the Bible clearly says it's three and a half years 
into the seven-year period of which we call the tribulation. And from that time on, it's only three and a half years before Jesus Christ comes in the skies uh, to set up his thousand-year reign there in Jerusalem. Now, what is interesting, though, about this COP27 uh, deal is they're mimicking, I believe, those things that we find in the Bible. And understanding that the Ten Commandments were given from Mount Sinai, I believe that if you're going to try to rewrite Christianity, rewrite Judaism, rewrite the true and living God, you want to make it look and sound and feel as close as you can. This is one of the things I think is very incredible about the Book of Mormon. Where did the Book of Mormon get 16th century King James English in 1850 when Joseph Smith, so to speak, translated it? Makes no logical sense. Because in the United States, nobody talked in 16th century King James English in 1850. So there are some real problems. But you're going to make another book that they claim to be like the Bible. Well, you got to make it sound like a King James Bible. But it isn't. And if you look at it, you'll see what I'm saying. There's something really strange about imitating, copying the original. Well, Mount Sinai is where God gave what's wrong with man. Man has a tendency to worship anything. Man has a tendency to be lazy, not work any day of the week, or be greedy and work every day of the week. We find that man by nature is covetous. We find man by nature is 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 has no respect for anybody but himself. That's all covered in the Ten Commandments. Four about God, six about man. Your thoughts? Yeah, you know the COP they do that uh, they do that annually and it and like Pastor Mike said it is very interesting that they're doing it they're doing it in Mount Sinai uh this year it's just uh the uh United Nations uh arm of the Green New Deal climate change agenda agenda 2030 those all, all of those are are linked to this uh I think COP stands for Conferences of the Parties and, um, you know, all the usual, all the usual suspects will be there. You know, little Greta Thunberg will be there and the Secretary, uh, General of the United Nations, uh, Antonio Gutierrez will be there and, and, uh, uh, President of France, Emmanuel, uh, Macaron, I call him macaroni. And, you know, then there will be our people, you know, John Kerry will be there and Boris Johnson and, and, uh, all these people who lend credibility to this. And, uh, what Mike, uh, has probably heard and I've heard as, as well that, that, uh, that, you know, the, the, the devil is a great counterfeiter. And as, as the Lord gave Moses the Ten Commandments on Mount Sinai, that there may be coming out a, a, a new Ten Commandments for climate change. So we don't know for sure, but it will be interesting if, uh, if they play, uh, if they play off of that. Pastor Mike? Council of the Pagans. Interesting. <laughs> Hope that helps, Carol. <laughs> the yeah, um, instead of parties. I I just did hear about the uh the you know they're talking about having 
the new, the Sunday rule, meaning uh, no no climate. I'm sorry, no emissions or no driving anywhere. No stores are open on Sunday. Oh, as they fly in their Learjets into the place, burning more fossil fuel than farm towns in Nebraska. What hypocrisy! You see, it's for them to decide what they're going to do to you. Always works that way, isn't it? They decide what they're going to do to you. You see, they're elitists, and the elitists don't go by any rules. Oh, no. No, you know, I remember in 1957, I was watching TV, and I watched Nikita Khrushchev, where I was watching another newsreel about how poor Russia was. He made vodka really cheap, like a dime a gallon, you know, keep the people stoned, because Joseph Stalin said, without vice, you cannot control people. I think it's interesting we have this push to legalize marijuana, vice again. But I remember him driving up in a limousine. But the rest of the people in Russia didn't have limousines. Nobody else did, only the elitists. And when I see people like Al Gore and these other people flying all over the world in their private jets, all I can say is hypocrisy runs wild with these people. And again, I'm not making it up. Check it out. They don't go down and get on a common carrier like you and me do. Mm. No, they're flying They're flying their own planes. And again, burning more fuel than you probably ever will in your whole life. Yeah, it's kind of funny. And as they all decide this, um, again, it's uh, kind of sad. But anyway, Darren, hope that answers it for you. Stay in line if you like, and we'll send you out a couple of books, a couple of DVDs. It looks like we might have lost you, but call back, and um, we'll get you taken care of. Let's go to Joe, El Paso, Texas. Hi, welcome. Hi, Pastors. Hi, how may we help? Yes, a uh, question. Uh, when the, they, they got a lady that uh, committed adultery, they're going to stone her, and then yes. Jesus wrote something on the on the sand. Is there something behind it? Well, I, I believe there has to be, and the reason why is because when he stood up, he looked at them all and said, he without sin cast the first stone. And beginning with the eldest, the Bible says, they all left. And that's when Jesus looked at the woman and said, where are your accusers? And she says, there are none, Lord. And at that point, I believe she believed in, in, in Christ, where she called him Lord. Now, what did Jesus write in the sand? We don't know. There's been a lot of speculation about it. I believe personally it was probably Jesus referring to the Levitical law because they said to Jesus, we caught this woman in the very act of adultery. Now, according to Levitical law, the man and the woman had to be brought together. But where was the man? He could have wrote in the sand, where is the man? That would have then implied that this whole thing could have been a setup. In other words, they deliberately did this to trap the woman to see what Jesus would say. Um, we don't know exactly what Jesus wrote, but whatever it was, it was so convicting, beginning with the eldest first, they all left. Some people say, well, maybe Jesus wrote the names of the people they fantasized about or whatever. Well, 
I don't know. He probably would have been there all year doing that. But Jesus always abided by the law because they quoted him. The law says we should sooner. What do you say? Jesus said, where's the man? That would imply that either it was a setup or how did you catch her? Were you peeping toms? Were you looking through the windows? What were you doing? How did you catch her? That would have been something interesting to write in the sand. But it appears that whatever it was, it was so convicting because they were out for blood. Remember, they probably had the rocks in their hands, ready to bean her. And beginning with the oldest first, they all left. Your thoughts? Yeah, you know, in that passage, it says that uh, that the scribes and the Pharisees, and they brought this woman to her and they say, hey, she was caught in the act of adultery. And she said, teacher, you know, the, the law says, the law says, and like Mike was referring to, that's Leviticus chapter 20, verse 10. And it says, the man who commits adultery with his neighbor's wife, the adulterer and the adulteress shall surely be put to death. And uh, obviously, both of them should have been, should have been there, not just, uh, not just the woman. But when he's starting to write, when he's starting to write on the ground, you know, we don't know. But what I like about this is that they're asking Jesus questions and, and Jesus doesn't answer them. He just, he just stoops down and starts writing something in, uh, in, in the dirt. And as, uh, as Mike said, it said the oldest and the youngest and, uh, in verse, oh, I don't know, nine or 10, somewhere around there. Uh, maybe it's eight. It said that they were convicted by their conscience and they went one by one, beginning with the oldest, even to, uh, even to the last. And, and this is the important part to remember because, because, you know, I'm that woman. You're that woman. You know, we're, we, we've all been caught in the act of something. It doesn't have to be adultery. And, and Jesus just says, go and sin no more. He says, he says, where are your accusers? And the woman says, there are none. And Jesus says, neither, neither do I accuse you, but, but, but go and sin no more. What a great, uh, what a great principle for all of us to live by. Pastor Mike. Amen. I, I, Joe, I hope that, uh, hope that answers it for you. Yes. Thank you. Yeah. We don't know for sure. But I, I don't believe Jesus was doodling in the sand. I've never seen Jesus waste time. I believe whatever he wrote, when they saw it, uh, they were convicted. And um, again, how did you catch her? It was probably a setup. And by law, should have brought the man. Where's the man? We don't know. But whatever it is, we're going to find out when we get to heaven. Because I'm going to ask Jesus that question. What did you write that day? And it also shows Jesus knew how to write. He was literate. So I think it's very important as well. So hope that helps. Joe, uh, stay online. We'll send you out books and DVDs. Bruce, Ty, and Jim, please call us. We'll put you on first thing tomorrow. No waiting, I promise. Look forward to um, look forward to uh, answering your questions. Thanks, Greg, for being on today. Thank you, Pastor Mike. See you next time. God bless you all and have a safe night. Remember to vote. God bless you and good night. To find out more about this ministry or to receive a copy of today's program, please call 1-800-357-4226 or write us to Every Man and Answer, P.O. Box 391, Twin Falls, Idaho, 83303. That toll-free number is 1-800-357-4226. 
Subscribe to the free podcast on iTunes by searching for To Every Man and Answer in the iTunes store or visit us online at csnradio.com slash T-E-M-A. To Every Man and Answer is a production of CSN International, the Christian Satellite Network. The opinions expressed by our guests may or may not be those of CSN International or of this station. 